Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 43. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed ears, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous shall shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Good evening. Uh, Here are three news headlines I've read recently. First, census data released. No religion submissions rise as Christianity slides. Two, University sexual assault report, half of all students harassed at least once in 2016. Three, Queensland schools, Jesus talk, Christmas cards on the outer. When you read headlines like that, if you're a Christian, I wonder if, if you think to yourself, what on earth is going on with God's kingdom? Uh, here in Matthew's Gospel... Uh, Jesus has announced uh, that he is uh, the one bringing God's kingdom about. This king of God's kingdom has arrived. Uh, But as we read the newspaper, it doesn't seem to be doing very well. Jesus isn't acknowledged among our society. Uh, People don't seem to live uh, the way of Jesus' kingdom. That doesn't seem to be flourishing around us. 
Uh, that might be your experience too as you uh, read the newspaper. You can probably think of other headlines. As we walk onto campus, uh, you look around, you uh, go past uh, lots of different things, lots of options. There's uh, the Atheist Club, there's the, the Muslim Prayer Room, uh, there's banners for the next boozy party right next to the CU uh, posters. So this, this kingdom, this, this king, where is that? Uh, tonight, uh, Jesus uses these parables to explain something of the nature of the kingdom and especially uh, how it is that it looks so small, so weak around us. And uh, in each of these parables, uh, it explains something of that tension. Uh, and so we're going to look at the, the three little parables in that passage. And we're going to see how the kingdom looks incomplete. The kingdom looks incomplete. The kingdom looks insignificant. And the kingdom looks invisible. Those three things. That's where we're going tonight. Uh, firstly, the kingdom looks incomplete. That's the tension of the first parable there, the parable of the weeds. Instead of a full, complete, uh, flourishing wheat field, it turns out that it's shot through with weeds. And you get this interaction between the owner and the servants, verse 27. Uh, the only servants come to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your, in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? We thought this was going to be perfect. How is it that it's like this? So mixed. Uh, apparently, uh, this is a real thing in the ancient world, that if you wanted to get back at someone, uh, you would sow weeds into their field. Uh, there's a particular weed called darnel, darnel. Uh, anyway, it's this plant called darnel, and it as it grows up, it looks exactly the same as wheat. You can't tell the difference. And as it grows and grows, it looks like you've got this lovely wheat field uh, until the end uh, when the grain grows and Darnell has this black grain. And so then you realise, ah, oh, someone sowed weeds all through my field. And it's poisonous. So uh, that's bad uh, for when you harvest the wheat. And so... People would do it. An enemy would come and sow darnel in your field, the way that you might stir salt into a friend's sugar pot. as a bit of a gag. Uh, so this is the situation for this, this parable. The kingdom looks incomplete. Uh, Israel uh, were expecting God's king to come and establish this, this rule of God over everything. And yet here is God's king, and the rule hasn't covered very many people at all. In fact, lots of people are actively opposing it. And so Jesus has to explain why that is. Have a look at his explanation of the parable there. Uh, this is how he uh, lays it out, verse 38. He says, The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The field is, is the world. Uh, notice that the field isn't the church as if the, the problem is that there's some kind of ungodly people somehow nestled in the church. No, the field is the world and as you look out at the world, you see the kingdom growing but also lots, 
Lots who oppose God's kingdom. And that was the case uh, when Jesus uh, first announced this kingdom. And it's still the case today. Switch on the TV and you're just as likely uh, to see Jesus' name being ridiculed or used as a swear word than you are to hear him praised. It doesn't feel like the kingdom of God is really dominating out there. The kingdom looks incomplete. Now, at one level, uh, the parable explains why this is happening. It says uh, that it's the work of the evil one who uh, makes this happen. At another level, it explains how it is that this is even possible. How is it that God's kingdom isn't dominating? This kingdom is meant to be this invincible, all-conquering kingdom over all. And really, if Jesus is who he claims to be, this should be a slam dunk. But the parable shows that God has bigger purposes. And it has to do with the end. I don't know if you noticed that, the end. You see it in verse 39. The harvest is the end of the age. He says you you can't make sense of God's kingdom unless you think about the end. Because this world won't last forever. That's what Jesus is saying, that all of history is moving towards a finish point, an end point. When this age, this world will finish and the new age of God's kingdom will be established finally and ultimately, perfectly. And so God has set a day when that will happen. When there will no longer be any opposition to God's kingdom. Verse 41, when he will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. No more news reports of the gospel being silenced. No more news reports of war or sexual assault, the world broken. No more of that. God's kingdom will stand complete, victorious on that day. That's when you'll see exactly what you would expect from the creator God when he establishes his kingdom. But Jesus says, not now. It's not what you see now as you look around. Only at the harvest, the end of the age, will those who oppose God uh, be set aside. More on that next week. But I want to drill into uh, how this parable helps us because this parable helps us uh, when we feel like the kingdom is incomplete. I don't know if you feel like you're in the minority at uni if you uh, stand as a Christian, whether you feel like you're in the minority at school, at work. Uh, I'm not sure if you hear people saying that Christians are on the wrong side of history in regard to same-sex marriage or gender debates. And you think to yourself, I've backed the wrong horse here. This just doesn't... Is this really the right thing? Uh, And even if you're not a Christian, that might be a real question for you. You might be thinking, well, I'd consider uh, becoming a Christian, but it feels like the losing side. But the parable of the weeds tells us that we won't see God's kingdom fully until the end of the age, that that is God's plan. And in fact, now he holds open an opportunity 
where those who stand opposed to God's king might turn and join that kingdom. The kingdom feels incomplete now because there is an opportunity to join it. The kingdom feels incomplete. So don't judge it by its success. Its success will come at the end. Right now, don't judge it by its success. Uh, If you think about it, there's uh, 25,000 UWA students uh, at this university and, I don't know, there's 100 of us here tonight. Uh, It doesn't feel wildly successful, does it? It feels like Coca-Cola has a bigger empire. Uh, More cans of Coke on campus than Christians. That's what it feels like. The kingdom looks incomplete, but don't judge it by its success now. Uh, The next parable, there's another couple of parables snuck in between uh, the first parable of the weeds and the, uh, the explanation by Jesus. And again, I think they're snuck in the middle because they explain the same kind of thing. The parable of the mustard seed picks up how the kingdom looks insignificant. Insignificant. Let's read it, verse 31. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. The point of the parable is in the size. It's tiny. It's this tiny seed, this insignificant little thing. But what happens? Jesus says, when it grows. And again, he's pointing to the end. When it grows, here's what you'll see. A tree. This, this huge plant, even uh, the birds come and perch in its branches. And you think, oh, Jesus, that's sweet. I like that touch with the birds at the end. That's nice. Uh, but actually, it's, uh, it's not just a nice touch by Jesus. Uh, he's thinking of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, uh, in Ezekiel and Daniel, you get this uh, picture. Uh, earthly kingdoms are... Uh, described as like a a great tree. And in Ezekiel, you get the picture of these birds coming and and nesting, uh, finding shelter in the the tree of Israel's great kingdom. And it tells you there that the birds are the nations. And so when this mustard tree grows, birds find shelter in its branches. And when God's kingdom grows, all of the nations come and find their home in the kingdom of God, where Jesus is king. This morning I went to one of the other congregations of St Matthew's, uh, Uni Church International, uh, in the morning, and I would say there are about 12 different countries represented. Maybe maybe I'm lowballing it. Uh, I think about that number. It's not complete yet, but that's just a little taste of... uh, what Jesus' kingdom is growing into. People from all nations coming, gathering, belonging to Jesus as king. But it certainly didn't look like that when Jesus told this parable. It was him and 
you know, a, a dozen Jewish men around him. Didn't, didn't look like this uh, great tree where nations were coming towards it. But he's saying it's like a mustard seed. It looks tiny now. It wasn't big and international then, but in that seed, in that news of the kingdom of God was the beginning. There in the beginning, this news that would spread out around Israel and then across uh, the Roman world and then uh, to the ends of the earth. I remember uh, a visiting preacher uh, came come over for the men's convention or something uh, remarked, about Perth. He's like, this is literally the end of the earth. I've never been anywhere further away. (laughs) But even though that mustard seed is tiny, hasn't it grown that now here, even in Perth, we are calling on Jesus as King, as Lord. But even though that's true, it can still feel insignificant now because we haven't reached the end. We haven't reached the completion of the age. And so, as we look around, the kingdom still looks insignificant. But don't judge it by its size now. Don't judge it by its size now. Because that size will be revealed at the end. Have you ever been to a Bible study or a a Christian event and hardly anyone's been there? And it's like, awkward there's about seven people and five of them are event organisers and think, oh, and, you know, the people who are running it are going around apologising, oh, I'm so sorry, we expected there to be more people. Uh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Don't apologise for that. Don't feel awkward. The nature of the kingdom is that it looks insignificant now, but don't judge it by its size now. In fact, as Jesus' kingship is announced, as people receive it and turn and trust Jesus, that is God's kingdom doing its powerful work that will only be fully revealed at the end. The kingdom looks incomplete, but don't judge it by its success now. The kingdom looks insignificant, but don't judge it by its size now. And finally... Thirdly, uh, the kingdom looks invisible. And that's the last parable. It's not much more than a simile there. One verse, verse 33. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a, wim- a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Uh, the key in this parable is the fact that you can't see the yeast working In fact, the word mixed there is literally hid. It says the woman hides it. She hides uh, the, the yeast in the flour. And so the kingdom is hidden. It's invisible. You can't see it. Have a think about that next time you're on the bus, you're travelling into uni. The kingdom's invisible. You look around at everyone on the bus, everyone's got their headphones in. You don't know what they're listening to. How many of them are listening to, to sermons, to the, to, the, to the Anvil podcast? <laughs> you don't know how many are listening to, to that. And even if you did, uh, sermon listening isn't the KPI of the kingdom. 
Because the kingdom works in people's hearts. That's the measure. It transforms people so that they bow the knee to King Jesus. That's, what, that's where the kingdom is working. So that they don't live in that rebellion against God and instead come into God's kingdom. You can't see that. You can't measure that by how many sermons someone has listened to. Sit down in class. Uh, you can't see how the kingdom is at work. It's invisible. And yet it does work, doesn't it? The same way that yeast makes dough rise and you look back and it's bigger and it's bigger again until it grows through the whole batch of dough. And again, it's looking at the end that ultimately every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. The kingdom seems invisible, so don't judge it by its status now. It's not a failure if it doesn't look impressive now because its work is hidden. It's not a failure if it doesn't look all that. But also, the opposite is true, if you know what I mean. That is, uh, if it does look impressive, it doesn't mean that that is the kingdom going gangbusters. Status doesn't equal uh, kingdom growth. Sometimes churches or Christians become prominent, uh, they get some, some visibility, and it feels good. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for this. Uh, we finally feel like, yes, you know, uh, Jesus' kingdom is really going places. Uh, when I was growing up, it was a big deal that Bono was a Christian. He's from U2. <laughs> They're a band uh, from the olden days. Or, you know, it's just every iteration. It, it's Sufan Stevens. Look, he's a Christian. It's Chance the Rapper. This is fantastic. But that's not how it works. Uh, a Christian personality might make us feel like we're relevant and the kingdom is having an impact. Big numbers might uh, reflect kingdom growth, but maybe not. The kingdom isn't about status or fame. Its impact is often invisible or silent or slow or gradual. The kingdom seems invisible, so don't judge it by its status now. Uh, let me share a story that kind of pulls some of this together. When the Perth Arena was being built, uh, I was merciless. I could not stand that monstrosity. And every time we drove past it, Liana will vouch for this, uh, I just went off, what is wrong with this? Perth is so stupid. All of our buildings are always so dumb. It doesn't even make any sense. And Liana in the car would always say, look, just wait. It's not even finished yet. They're only half built. You know, you'll be able to tell what it's like when it's finished. And then we'd obviously, we're driving through the city every day and so a month later we'd drive past and I'd be like, what? Look at it now. It's like even worse. How is this even happening? How How can anyone think this is a good design? And Leanna would try to, you know, talk me down off the ledge. Um, so I admit it looks a bit strange now, but just wait, it could be amazing. Uh, you don't know. And I was like, I know. <laughs> and then one day we drove past it after it, was, after it was complete. And she was right. 
It's amazing, isn't it? Like, I love the Perth Arena. I'm just like, oh, I got that so wrong. So wrong. I just think it's amazing how it kind of transformed into that thing. Here I was like a doofus, calling it early uh, when I had no idea. Thankfully, we don't have to make that same mistake with God's kingdom. Because with these parables, Jesus has given us inside knowledge about the future. That's what he's done. Did you see that? Verse 34 says, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. See, these parables are like puzzles, but once you work them out, they tell you a secret, something that you couldn't have worked out any other way. They tell us God's plan for the end, that one day God's kingdom will be established and it will be complete and visible, that those in God's kingdom will shine like the sun, it says, that it will ultimately be revealed complete and perfect. Jesus has shown us that with his parables. And so all of these parables have to do uh, with, our, with our eyes, you know, what we can see, what we can see right now or what we can't see into the future, what will be there at the end of history. And so I want our application at the end of uh, thinking about this passage uh, to have to do with our eyes as well. Uh, Two applications. Firstly, fix your eyes on the end. That's where you see a true picture of what God's kingdom will be like. Where evil will be totally gone. Sin cut from our lives and all the nations gathered under King Jesus. Set your eyes there. Fix your eyes on the end. Uh, I want to give a special word to Ez and Tyler. Uh, As you serve here amongst us here at St. Matt's, uh, fix your eyes on the end because there will be times uh, when God's kingdom feels weak and insignificant and you're teaching people about Jesus and It'll feel like it's going nowhere, making no impact. But press on. Fix your eyes on the end. Jesus has revealed for us in advance what that will be like. Like a great harvest where his kingdom will extend over all the earth. So press on. Don't give up. Keep on telling people about the Lord Jesus. Keep on proclaiming him as king. Keep on doing that. Fix your eyes on the end. Secondly, uh, these parables call us to have fresh eyes for the present. Fresh eyes for the present. I think so we don't judge things too soon. Uh, Fresh eyes to see how God's kingdom is at work right now, even though it's not complete, even though it's not perfect. You know, Coca-Cola feels like a bigger empire right now. Maybe? Is it? Is it? There's two countries in the world where you can't buy Coke. Uh, Who knows, or who can guess, which two countries? North Korea. North Korea, correct. 
Antarctica, not, not a real country. <laughs> no, no way, man. It's close to America. Cuba, correct. North Korea and Cuba, trade embargoes. You can't buy Coke in North Korea. But man, Jesus' people will risk anything to smuggle Bibles in there. Who has a greater kingdom? God's kingdom is advancing powerfully. Even here in Australia, where Christianity apparently is on the slide, they say, still the gospel goes out. And people hear about uh, the Lord Jesus, his death to save them and his resurrection to be king over everything and they hear that and they turn and trust it. The gospel goes out and it transforms people and God's kingdom grows. And it does it in small ways that look insignificant. In a Bible study with five people in it, uh, one-to-one over a coffee, around a table at kids' church. God's kingdom grows until one day God says it will be revealed. Ez and Tyler, uh, hold on to this passage, to these parables, to give you fresh eyes to see God's kingdom at work now, to see how from a single seed, from a tiny beginning, God's kingdom has grown into a great tree so that people, disciples from nations all around the world, call on Jesus as Lord. Fixed eyes on the end, fresh eyes for the present.